Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is the last review in our San Francisco Film Festival coverage. This is a review of Alex Strangelove. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this week and in the coming weeks, uh, we're going to be, be bringing a bunch of reviews from film festivals from across the United States. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we are here to talk about Alex Strangelove. Um, this was another film that uh, when we were scrolling through the things to book for the San Francisco Film Festival, we we're like, boom, this sounds a little bit like uh, Love, Simon. We both love that film. Mm-hmm. We're going to watch this because it's going to be fun. Um, so we are here to find out if it was as fun as we expected. Um, you ready to do this, Stephen? I am. Alex Strangelove, uh, it is, you know, your typical coming-of-age tale in which a uh, boy meets a girl, doesn't have sex with her yet, but is trying to come up with the time, the way he can lose his virginity, the big plan, and somewhere along the way, maybe somebody else comes and catches his eye. The subtext of Superbad, if you will. (laughs) Uh, Nice. I see what you did there, Stephen. Um, but yes, so Alex Strangelove, Stephen Miller, what did you think of him? <laughs> I think this is a very nice Netflix movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, and for for some context, this film will be distributed by Netflix. Um, this film started with the boom Netflix logo plop uh, sign thing at the beginning. Um, this may be out within a month of this episode airing. Yeah. Um, I don't remember exact exact date they said, but it should be out short, shortly, so you will be able to watch this. Um, so this isn't necessarily his review of Wait for Rental, but you will be able to rent this or stream it via Netflix very shortly. That, that, that is true. Uh, but So, okay, there are a few points of comparison we already talked about. Love, Simon is... The big glaring comparison that I almost feel bad for this movie that it has to have in its, you know, it has to live under the shadow of Love, Simon, because Love, Simon was just a a bigger movie. It got a big theatrical release. It had some press leading up to it. And that was the first movie that I'd seen that was a high school coming about tale coming about <laughs> no I, I i thought you were, i thought that was like i thought you were doing that on purpose no yeah no keep it in a, a, a big <laughs> high school coming about tale uh because this is it's like coming of age and finding your sexuality at the same time yeah and plenty of high school movies have been made about sexuality in general about trying to not feel awkward in your own skin about trying to date about trying to find love I joked about Superbad before, but that is a very obvious companion piece to this movie as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think in a world where Love, Simon doesn't exist, Alex Strangelove hits a lot harder because it has the kind of first mover advantage. Like, it's the first one to really broach the subject. The thing is, I think, much like we discussed Lady Bird versus Eighth Grade, and we discussed the difference between telling it like it is and hitting the emotional beats versus trying to be clever and playing to nostalgia. I think Love, Simon is mostly about telling it like it is. I think this movie is playing much more to nostalgia. This movie, as the director, uh, Craig Johnson, who made The Skeleton Twins, which I think I definitely was a big fan of back when it came out. I don't remember how you felt when we reviewed it. I 
think I liked it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, as he happily admitted right after the premiere, uh, this was inspired by 80s movies. Like, he kind of wanted to make a John Hughes film, the 80s high school flick. And you can feel that in this because this has a lot of the kind of tropes that an 80s movie would have where lovable lead characters, like a, a central romance of will they, won't they, tons of 80s music in the soundtrack, <laughs> and secondary characters that are pretty much stereotypes that don't go anywhere. Um, this is a movie that it goes for hokey often. I think it goes for the, the big, cheap laugh. Sometimes it goes for the more lowbrow kind of raunchy laugh this is definitely a much more it, i don't know i assume this is an r-rated film this this feels much more r-rated it, it is than, I, I think i believe it was yeah because eighth grade was not r right no, no. yeah yeah because i yeah I, re- I definitely remember one of the directors <laughs> saying i can't even show this to people it's targeted at because they're not old enough to see it so mm-hmm. i think it i think it is rated r mm-hmm. yeah because this is it's much more raunchy. It's having fun. This is like half a movie about coming out and coming to grips with one's own sexuality. Uh, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that Alex Strangelove is a gay character. Yeah. I think this is very so he, obvious in the synopsis of so the film. So, for the record, his character's name is True Love. Uh, that's true. Sorry. But the film is named Strange Love mm-hmm. because his love is strange. He's getting some strange. <laughs> but I think... This movie, it it is a lot about losing virginity, and it's about him coping with the clunky awkwardness of it. Uh, I think where this movie actually really, really shines is in the like physicality of the first time, and in the anxiety that builds up to it, yeah. and like all the expectations and all the pressure. Uh, in Mike Birbiglia's Sleepwalk with Me, not not the movie, but his kind of one man show yeah, that he yeah. did, he talks about how when he planned on losing it for the first time he and Abby decided to go to a bed and breakfast because what could lessen the anxiety more like an elaborate plan? <laughs> <laughs> and this, this movie follows that line basically where it's about like the yeah. elaborate plans one goes through and the way you elaborate kind of... plans that include other people. Exactly. Right? So it's not just a private thing where you're like, like yeah. minor spoiler, they need help to rent a place to go to. <laughs> and, and I think that this movie nails that clunkiness. It also nails the character of Alex. Like I think, I fully believe him, and I believe this idea that he is unsure of who he is, and he's wrestling with it. And he's not trying to do the wrong thing, but he's also a pretty selfish high schooler who, when his feelings come into play, he throws other people under the bus in a way that is, like, a bit thoughtless, a little bit not calculated to, like, minimize the damage the way that, you know, a more mature person might do in those situations. Um, I think there's a lot of heart to it. it. It just felt lacking to me in a lot of a lot of things in this movie felt a little bit sketched it felt like this character has to go through abc perhaps because the director went through that i know he said this was a very personal story to him yeah a very it wasn't a story about him but it was about a him like person yeah it's a very heartfelt story yeah and i feel like because this movie knows where it wants alex to go it doesn't bother telling us why or explaining it for instance there's there's an arc about college admissions and whether or not he's going to get into a particular university. Just drops it completely, lets it go, never talks about it again. There are parent characters in this movie who we see very briefly. Unlike uh, Love, Simon, this movie does not care at all about his relationship with them. 
how he will broach this news to them. I mean, I, I anything think like that. It, to this be is very fair, specific. I think this film ends before the equivalent scenes in Love sure. Simon, right? Like yeah, this yeah. is a film that like spends its running time on a different arc than the coming out to the parents. Yeah, yeah. This it's, is a movie the, about the personal journey that he goes through when he th- like discovers film, who he is. Yeah, this is a film about coming out to himself, um, yeah. which is different than Love Simon, where like Love Simon opens with him saying like. I'm your average high school guy, except for I'm gay. And and it's a story about him worrying about being outed by the rest of the people around him and the situations he gets himself in. This is a story about a person who is not worried about being outed, but has no clue that he's gay right. and finds himself in situations that start to make him wonder. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think a, a few things that we can't go into details with without spoilers so i won't really try but there are certain things about that process for him in particular that i didn't understand given what his character is feeling where his character is coming from and what he professes to believe i didn't totally get all of the things he was wrestling with throughout the movie um but just more broadly like okay so this it's very john hughes very 80s movie and Uh, Molly Ringwald wrote a really cool piece in The New Yorker just like last week about how she feels about those movies now. Like having been made famous by The Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles and now looking back at them through the lens of being a mother with a daughter in a world that is very different than it was back when those movies came out. And the basic summary that she said is she loves those movies because they made people who felt alone feel less alone. And there was something in the broad strokes that connected to people, even if like the specifics weren't quite right. And a lot of the secondary characters and a lot of the mechanisms involved didn't actually nail the landing. Um, and I feel the same about this movie. Like I think this hits that to a similar degree where this is, its heart is in the right place. It has all the broad strokes down. It has a few of the particulars down. And there's just like a few things with the other characters in the story and some of the conversations they have that feel like very overwritten, very stand up and not very accurate that it it just makes it fall a little short for me. It feels more hokey, but it means well. And I think it's going to connect with people because it means well. Yeah. So this is one of those films that proves that it's very difficult to A, do a podcast where you see a lot of films, and B, see a lot of films in a qu- very quick succession. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can compare it to a few things, um, in the last review, we talked about the film Eighth Grade, and we had a discussion about the comparison between Eighth Grade and um, uh, Lady Bird. And even though they're very different films, they cover somewhat similar um, situations and and like... It's like you're trying to compare these two things that are vastly different yet cover the same thing. And how can you like one over the other? Um, Here we are talking about another film that deals with similar subject matter to Love, Simon, Alex Strangelove, Love, Simon. And it's kind of like hard to compare these two things that are vast. Like they're they're covering different subject matter, but also overlapping a lot. Then you have the fact that like we saw these we saw eighth grade and Alex Strangelove. the, the follow, following each other. We saw one on one night, one the following night. And I loved Alex Strangelove. <laughs> Good. I'm, got, I, I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I, I really love this film. It's really hard to go like, I may have loved it more than eighth grade, but I think eighth grade is a better film than it is like whole cloth. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where it's like, 
I just viscerally reacted for like a myriad of various different reasons to Alex Strange Love. It's it, it's it's just hard to like see that movie and be like Love Simon tried to be more authentic. I cried way more at Love Simon than I did at this. This handled things better than Love Simon did in some situations. This was a vastly different story. Um they both had moments that were funny. They both had moments that were like very very serious. Um Obviously, uh, I mean, obviously to us, because we've seen the film, this film handles the secondary characters much better than Love, Simon does. I think that, like, the relationship to the other female girls that surround the lead, um, I think, was handled much better than this. I'm even going to throw Call Me By Your Name in here. Like, one criticism you had in particular of Call Me By Your Name is that it it seemed to toss aside the female love interest who is being hurt by the story. Yeah, yeah. And to this film's credit, it does not at all. No, it doesn't. doesn't. Claire is arguably the main character. I think we maybe see her emotional reaction more than even Alex's to the things that are going on. Yeah, and, like, like one of the things that I I lashed onto is, like, that girlfriend character is, like, the best girlfriend, right? Like she, yeah. she calls him on his shit. She's super intelligent. She's like very matter of fact about things. Like she just like she's super awesome, right? Like for, I mean, obviously she's his best friend. Like he's 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 legitimately in love with her. But this person has entered into his life that has questioned what he knows about himself and what he actually wants from the world. And I think that um, there is something like it's funny going back to Ladybird um, when they introduced the love the love interest in Lady Bird. I was like, really? That guy? That's the, like... Because, like, when she first sees him, she's like, oh, my God, this is the hottest person I've ever seen in my life. Are we life. talking Lucas Hedges? Uh, the the redhead dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, like, when he comes on screen, she's like, this is the hottest being I've ever seen in my life. I was like, really? Just, I, don't, I don't get it. And as the film went on, I bought why Lady Bird was obsessed with him. Like, I totally bought into it. When we are first introduced to this person that makes Alex Strange love question who he is, I was kind of like, "What's up with this guy?" Right. But like as it went on, I was like, "This guy's fucking charming as yeah, fuck." Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you get it. <laughs> like I think I'm gay now. This guy, like I totally buy a hundred percent why. Like their chemistry is fucking amazing. Yeah. Like they're they're so I, good. And I pretty strongly believe <clears throat> they were actually into each other like while record while making this movie yeah yeah i mean like the the producer was even like joking about that like like once they saw them interacting in between takes they were like i think they really have a crush on each other mm-hmm. but it was like a thing where it's like it's i 100 percent bought why just like the way they interact and the way he's kind of like like the so so the guy is a little bit older and he sort of has a maturity and he's he sees something in Alex that he realizes Alex doesn't understand, and he never pushes it. Sure. Like, to his, to his credit. There's he, no Ferris wheel yeah, in this movie. Yeah, like, <laughs> there, the, he is not somebody who's like, oh, I think this boy is cute, and I want him for me. He, he's just there to help him. And, like, when Alex has questions, he answers them in the best way he can without pushing them. And it's, there's, there's, this, there, there's this thing where it's like he sees something in him and wants he, – he, he doesn't want to draw it out. He want, he's like, I'll let you do whatever you need to do, and I'll, I'll just answer you honestly if you ask me a question. And, like, there's, there's a, I don't know, there's, 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 every ounce of this film I left, I mean, the friends are a little crude in, like, weird ways where it's, like, people trying to write things that sound crude that, and That is witty. the super bad aspect of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Mind. So it, it, it wants to be, like, a, like a, almost like a lesser super, like, there's no Jonah Hill, right, to, to make that work. Yeah, it's but, only pick lips. <laughs> They're <laughs> nice, but I, but I, I really, I really love all of the characters in this film and the way they interact and like 
the how understanding the girlfriend is, but still not understanding at all. And just I feel like all of the situations are real. And I feel like, you know, we had conversations walking away from the movie about like, you know, you were saying like you don't think Alex would react in certain ways. And I was like, no, he so would. Like I am a hundred percent there knowing decisions are not correct. Mm -hmm. I understand the impetus like between like I need to prove to myself things and do things that are not quite into the personality that I, I, I thought this film was so authentic, even when it's heightened and trying to be fake. I just, I, something about it just really like it, I just, it drew me in and I was like this fucking movie. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm glad cause yeah. I do, I do want to say too, that I, while watching this film, I started to get the feeling that you were going to like it a lot yeah. because I think there are aspects of this that reminded me of 500 days of summer, even where there's a playfulness to it. There's even some cartoons thrown in overlaid it, on so the real I, I get so mad when I see that in movies because I'm just like, no, you can't do it. It's already been done. Yeah. But it, it, like this movie has that whimsy where it's like, yeah. I'm going to tell you the story about a person's I don't know if it's wrong to call this romantic. I get that it's bigger than a romantic revelation, but it's also yeah. a love story. Like it is a romantic revelation about this character. Yeah. And it, it it treats it with like a really light touch and a we are able to laugh at ourselves big picture view at everything that's happening. Yeah. That it I do think it gets at a lot of the heart that five hundred days of summer did. So I yeah. I feel that. I think if I had bought his motives in the third act, the degree that you did, I would probably be a little bit higher on this movie. There were just yeah. things that I felt like the, the the director, Craig Johnson, talked about how he made this for Netflix because it felt like a very small particular story. And yeah. he didn't know if he could get it made by. Well, I think what he specifically said was Netflix swooped down like an angel of prosperity or something yeah. <laughs> and basically greenlit this film because a lot of other people weren't interested in making yeah. it. And it um, sounded like that was because he wanted this to be tender and not go to kind of the more tugs of mainstream sensibility. Yeah. And what's funny is I would think one of those tugs would be the kind of R-rated, goofy, raunch aspect, which this movie steers into totally happily. Like, there is a scene toward the end at a frat house that I think is just all typical high school comedy and not the character development that I would have expected the movie to be going for. And yeah. those little decisions, they just threw me off a little bit. It felt much more like it was, which is fine. That's why I say this is a great Netflix movie. I feel like this was geared to be seen by a lot of people. This was made to be watched by people in high school yeah. who can laugh at it and relate to different events. And that's why it has like these, the heightened friend characters and secondary figures and situations that are like just a little bit more exaggerated than they normally would have been, but they still have the ring of truth to them. I, I think it'll play really well there. Um, I do think between this and skeleton twins both have lip syncing scenes as a way of <laughs> bonding between two characters. Yeah. I think this wore it better. I think it's better than the skeleton twins one. And I love the skeleton twins one. So go for it. <laughs> Go for it and try to t convince you otherwise. I don't know. Because I'm not going to. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know a lot more to say about this film. I, I don't know that it's... Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's the type of film that, like, everyone is going to just love the way that I did. Like, I think that Love, Simon is has some more... Uh, 
it's not authenticity. It's just it has has more of those emotional beats that you want from that type of story. Like I think it's wrapped in a tidier package. Yeah, in yeah. This movie. And it has uh, it has Josh Duhamel in it to have like this 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 great like father son not understanding but trying to understand moment that's gonna make you cry. But like uh, Alex Strangelove doesn't have that as as you mentioned. It kind of kind of bypasses the whole coming out to the parents thing. And it, it's really a story like I don't know. It's it's so different a story. It's so it's so weird. Like it, it totally it's like we saw we saw it because we thought it was going to be similar to Love Simon, and it's vastly different, but somewhat the same. I, I don't know. It's 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 hard to explain, but it's just it's to me it was really really enjoyable, and I think it it brought stakes to it where it wasn't just about it wasn't just about a person trying not to let out their secret it was about a person trying not to hurt people around him but also figure something out for himself like he he's not just trying to hide something he is trying not to hurt two different people in two different ways Mm -hmm. and they're people who mean a lot to him like both both the, the male character and the female character are like significant to him in very extreme ways. Um, and I think that that ups the stakes in a way that makes it like hard not to be excited for the film. Like to, to kind of like, oh, not only did you double the stakes, but like you handled both of them what felt like correctly to me. And yeah, I don't know. Right. I, I will say though, the female character is perfectly long-suffering in forgive and forgiving kind of like <laughs> Alicia Vikander was in the Danish girl and that is like great and heartfelt and I would not fault her at all if she were not so forgiving yeah yeah yeah, for sure but I but I think even like uh uh even at the end you can tell she is acting more supportive than she wants to be right, right. like it definitely takes her time time that happens in a montage we don't see <laughs> to to really be sort of fully supportive but like yeah you, you might say this is ladybird from the other perspective <laughs> true except for alex is way better than that other guy <laughs> it's yeah. not a shock <laughs> Str- strictly basement business <laughs> Is that is that even the line? It is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> should should we get to our reviews for this? Sure. All right. Mr. Miller, if you were gonna give us a must see, reckon with the caveat, wait for rental, pass the caveat or a must avoid, what would you give it? I'm feeling extra generous, but I have to stand on my principles and just give this a really Heartfelt, gentle rental. I think this is a good rental. You'll be happy to rent it. You're going to enjoy sitting sitting and watching it. If it's broken up by commercials, that won't be that big a deal. This is the kind of movie that isn't building something intense. This is a movie that is showing you kind of scene by scene and painting a picture that is fun to watch unfold. But I, I just don't think it does that much. I love the heart that goes into this movie, but I don't think it's fixed the landing. So, good movie. Totally fine. Happy I watched it. Not particularly memorable or urgent in the way that I think it, it could have been. 
so people listening to the podcast right now, this uh, barrage of episodes coming out will be front-loaded with a review of Happy Anniversary, in which I enjoyed it far more than Stephen Miller. And I feel like uh, I am a sucker for films with just like a good emotional heart to them that like maybe aren't that great, but just like they hit me in that way that makes me just very happy to have watched them. And Carson Patrick would yell at me if I didn't rate this movie from my heart. So I'm going to give this a must see. (laughs) So it's a Netflix film. It'll be out in like a month or so. Just go watch this movie. You can write in to fans at thespoilerwarning.com and tell me I was wrong. I'm totally fine with that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I got I to gotta, I gotta go from the heart. Alex Strangelove loved it. I, I'm proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, that is going to do it for the last of our reviews from San Francisco Film Festival. Stephen Miller, people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that? If people want to find me, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning. You can like us at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will be that clappy, 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 clappy song from <laughs> the little thing they played before all the episodes, all the films at the SF Film Festival. So hopefully <laughs> you're not tired of that yet because <laughs> we sure got tired of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is the end of the films. Uh, we only saw five of the six films we, we were supposed to see at the SF Film Festival. Um, we are only reviewed these three of them. For various reasons, mm-hmm. but we have 16 films to watch over the next week and a half um, at Tribeca, so you can expect reviews of all those films to be hitting the feeds in some unknown uh, time frame. Schedule. We're going to commit every 24 hours. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to whip Chris until he edits the podcast. All right, so those are going to be coming. So hopefully you enjoy that. If my internet connection from this table at our at our current domicile uh, can keep it up. You'll have those coming very shortly. So and then, in just a few weeks after that, I'm going to can. So maybe this is why I'm rating Netflix movies lower is in the can versus Netflix debate that is happening right now. I'm now tilting to the can side of the equation. Yeah. Well, maybe Steven can take a mic with him <laughs> to can and record Lonesome uh, podcast by himself. But where am I going to find another movie podcaster at the Cannes Film Festival? Nice. Um, but yeah, so we're going to take off It's about midnight here in New York. Um, And uh, yeah, we will be back soon with more reviews. Bye. Bye.